Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And we got a lot to cover today, no doubt about it, after a busy, busy sports weekend. Hope everybody out there had an outstanding Memorial Day weekend. We are back in action. I know everybody is thrilled to be back at work here at this beautiful Tuesday, May 31st. It is the big dog and the coach at your service. Two guys at a mic, talkzone.com, other side of the glass, producer extraordinaire David Olson, and of course, the award-winning, or soon-to-be award-winning music of the talkzone.com. Yes, indeed. Phone lines will be open throughout the show and plenty to call up about, plenty to talk about in the world of sports over the weekend. We will also, of course, uh, have our little salute to the troops from the Memorial Day weekend, no doubt about it. That's a big dog and a coach uh, regular yearly event that I know at least uh, maybe one or two people look forward to. 888-463-6748, the phone number. David, I think I got the voice back in full gear now last week. Uh, Went from about 40% up to about 88%, but I think after the extended weekend, we are back in full gear. So uh, you can put those controls back at the normal level, my friend. And, uh, yeah, plenty to talk about. Where do we start? Where do we start? Of course, you got plenty of baseball action. And we'll uh, do a little baseball round-em-up, wrap-em-about, wrap baseball round-em-up and wrap-em-up. We'll talk about our Chicago teams, the White Sox and the Cubs. Mostly not so good news there. We got... Uh, Jim Trussell at Ohio State resigning. I don't know if anybody else shocked by that, but it's still at least a little bit of a surprise, maybe at least the timing of it. We've got the uh, Indy 500 finish to talk about. Wow, how about that? First Indy 500 I watched in any part, probably in my life, and it happened to be one of the more memorable finishes. We'll talk about that. PGA Golf, we got a new number one ranked player who continues to move up the charts. We got the French Open going up quarterfinals. We got the NBA uh, finals starting today. Dallas Mavericks taking on the Miami Heat. So we'll uh, preview that series a little bit. ESPN College Baseball uh, selection show was yesterday. I don't know how many people we have interested in that, but we'll mention that particularly Big Dogs uh, fighting a line at him. University of Illinois, I think, making it for the first time in 11 years. They were the Big Ten baseball champions. So, again, welcome. We hope everybody had a great weekend out there. Not exactly prime weather conditions, at least here in the mighty Midwest, for uh, barbecues and parties Friday and Saturday and Sunday, for the most part, miserable. We did get one. One beautiful day of summer. Thank you very much. going to rain again today. But, you know, if the rest of the summer is ruined, we can always look back to Monday, May 30th. A day that will live in infamy. A beautiful day. The summer breeze with a blowing. Nice wind. Not too much humidity. You know, I don't know if we're going to have any more nice summer days, but we will have May 30th to remember. Went out there and barbecued some burgers yesterday. Uh, David Olson even went the uh, little turkey burger route. It's outstanding. Outstanding. I knew we bought the lean meat when, you know, you press it down, usually the grease. I still use the old-fashioned barbecue, by the way. Have not gone gas grow, and I don't plan to. People try to convince me to do otherwise. I'm still uh, still going with the old, you know, the old fashioned charcoal, Kingsford coals, the old fashioned barbecue in the back. I got the little cylinder thing that you put the coals in, 
and then you put the paper underneath, you light the paper, and it actually lights the coals pretty quick, obviously not as fast as the gas grill. But, uh, yeah, it's almost, no, it's a lot healthier to eat, but we bought the extra lean hamburger meat and the, uh, I think, 0% fat turkey, turkey burger, like, from the breast. 0% fat, but you're pressing the, uh, the patties down, you're flipping them over, and usually the grease is cooking, splattering out, the coals are, you know, a little snap, crackle, pop action, nothing. You know, you got a good piece of meat when there's nothing, no grease cooking down. But it was good stuff. We hope a lot of people out there had some uh, solid barbecues. If you had a plan on Saturday and Sunday, you were probably um, out of luck. But maybe if you plan a party on Monday, you were able to enjoy it. Again, 888-463-6748. Hopefully, hopefully people took some time out there to remember what Memorial Weekend is all about. The Memorial Day parades, very, very nice and very uh, touching and uh, very sentimental, very heart-wrenching stories and magazines and newspapers, some of it on the television, and uh, I know some of the speakers in various communities and some of the parades really uh, brings you back to your roots and makes you truly, truly appreciate what the soldiers have uh, done for us, the young Army men, the young Army women, and, of course, uh, some of the veterans out there, too. They're not all the youngsters. Many are 20, 30 years in the military, and some have lost their lives after long, long stays in the military. So uh, hopefully we took some time out, and if you had kids out there, reminded the kids not just that it's a day off to throw water balloons around, but what it's all about. If you have any uh, memorable Memorial Day uh, remembrances, things that happened over the weekend, we were always more than willing to jump off the sports page here on the Two Guys at a Mike show. Feel free to, uh, you can email us at Mike2Guys at AOL.com, M-I-C in the number two, Mike2Guys at AOL.com, or of course you can give us a call, 888 888- Four six three sixty seven forty eight, and tell us your story firsthand. Uh, no lack, no lack of sports action over the weekend. All kinds of stuff going on. Absolutely, the number one story, and I haven't seen it. In my opinion, anyways, the number one story, and I haven't seen it publicized enough, both in paper or on the television. Maybe I missed it. Maybe I'm just reading the wrong thing. But the Indy five hundred, folks, the finish of the Indy five hundred, absolutely unbelievable. Now, I don't know how many people see that. I haven't watched an Indy 500. I don't. I know I can tell you I've never, never in my 54 fine years on this life have watched it start to finish. Uh, and maybe have just caught little bits and pieces for the first time this past Sunday, partly because of the crappy weather outside, and it was almost like, well, there's nothing else to do. But but some instinct told me to turn it on, and you know, maybe I'll get into it this year. But there was a little bit of a feeling. For some reason, I have a great instinct for what sports contests to go and what not? I don't know. I don't know. How, don't have many skills in my uh, repertoire, but I seem to have that particular skill of uh, picking out. You know, if there's like four or five games to go to on big high school sports fan, I will be able to find usually the game that's the best of the bunch. Even if it's a, if it's an underdog team playing a favored team, a lot of times that underdog team will will give them a game. Um, but the Indy 500, it was um, I think something like. 10 or 12 different people leading. I learned a few of the rules. That's part of the confusion is, you know, for the average fans, even the less than average fans like myself, just trying to follow what's going on. Very, very difficult in the rules with the pit stops and the restarts. Uh, I learned a little bit of it. One thing I learned, uh, David Olson is in, 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 you know, I should, this is a problem with Joel off the racetrack, but gas, um, not comprehension, but your ability to control 
gasoline consumption is a key. Is a key to the Indy 500. There were three or four different races included, including Danica Patrick, who had the crowd and uh, mom and dad on their feet for a little bit, with about 15, 20 laps, maybe as little as 13, 14 laps left. She was leading. But we're going to run out of fuel. I had to go in for a pit stop. Others, I guess the strategy is to when to when to fuel up, and then part of that strategy also apparently is if you don't want to fuel up, if you don't want to stop for the pit stops, and those pit stops are, what, about seven seconds? I mean, those things, they got it down to a science. Now, the pit stop people are some of the most underrated people in all of sport. Unbelievable. Talk about quick work. I wish my dentist would work like the pit stop guys. Boom. Hey, thank you very much. Don't forget to pay on the way out. But if you don't want to stop for the pit stop, which will actually put you behind, you can actually conserve fuel. Conserve fuel. So you have to actually go a little bit slower. So here's where the strategy, this is something I learned here, a little lesson, you know, 101 racing for the uh, the fans out there. I am now, uh, you know, because the big dog has dropped the baton, I am now your auto racing NASCAR expert here, the two guys in a mic show. Anybody, by the way, who watched the Indy 500 want to comment on I'm going to get to in a second, the unbelievable finish to that particular race, uh, give us a call, 888-463-6748. There's got to be some auto racing fans out there, and if they're not, even if you're a sports fan or a fan of human emotion and human interest, you had to be uh, just amazed, if not shocked, saddened, maybe thrilled for the guy who ended up winning, but it was an incredible finish. But, yeah, so you got to save the fuel. That's one of the strategies. If you slow down a little bit. And save the fuel, or you might lose a little ground, but you don't have to go for the pit stop. So there's that whole fuel consumption strategy going on. Never realized that. But there must have been three or four people in the last 35 to 40 left that were leading, but then lost their lead because they had to go in for a fuel stop. Well, Danny Weldon, who ends out winning, and he had finished, by the way, second place two years in a row. So he had to be rooting for the blonde bomber, Dan Weldon. By the way, the real blonde bomber is Dan Weldon's wife. And we've said it often before. I forget our rankings with me and Joe, but uh, wives of athletes, golfers, auto racers, there's one other profession. There's not table tennis, I know that. But uh, golfers and auto racers, oh, and hockey players, I think. I think we go with hockey players. Top three as far as uh, the looks of the Female attractiveness, be it the wife, the girlfriend, or a little of both. But Dan Weldon doing very well in that category. Thank you very much. But he ends out winning the race, but in spectacular fashion. After all these other people dropped out, not so much by accident. In fact, the last five or six leaders, none of them by crashing or by accident, simply by having a refuel going in for the pit stop. They lost their lead, got back in the race. Danica Patrick, for instance, I think finished fifth place. So still respectable, but, but you know, and she was like, I think, Eight or nine, maybe ten laps away from winning. I'm like, what the heck? Don't go in for a pit stop. See if you can finish it out. Who knows? Maybe the gauge is wrong. There got to be a way. It's so painful. I can't think of any other sport where you're leading. You're in first place. Oh, and you got to pull off the track and go in for a pit stop, and you lose your chance to win the damn race. Anyhow, uh, what's the kid's name, David? J.R. I keep wanting to say Rutherford. Is it? No, Hildebrand. I think it's Hildebrand. J.R. Hildebrand, and I had heard of J.R. Hildebrand before, very nice guy, 23-year-old rookie, racing an Indy for his first time, and I don't think he had had the lead all day, but all these people were dropping out, and J.R. Hildebrand run a heck of a race. 
And here he is in first place with seven laps to go. It's the rookie hanging on, J.R. Hildebrand. Six laps to go. J.R. Hildebrand still in the lead, folks. Five laps to go. We may have a rookie win. The Indy 500 for the first time since, I can't remember when it was, but it's been a long time. Four laps to go. J.R. Hildebrand. Danny Weldon in second place, but it looks like he won't catch him. Three laps to go. It's J.R. Hildebrand. How about that? A rookie going to win it. Two laps to go. Here comes the white flag. One lap to go. The checkered flag. J.R. Hildebrand, 23-year-old rookie. Round the first turn. There's four turns in the Indy 500. Rounds the second turn. J.R. Hill rounds the third turn. Rounds the final turn. Not just the final lap. The final turn. He takes it to the outside, tries to gun by another car. Now, I don't know nothing about uh, auto racing, but I can tell you he was going to not exactly coast home, but he had a clear lead. It was not like the blonde bomber Danny Walden was chasing him from behind. He was, I'm going to guess, a couple seconds back, which in, in car racing time is not super, super close. And he tries to go on the outside. He skidded, I guess they say he skidded on what they call a marble, which is like some of the tire markings left from tires from before and if, uh, from uh, previous cars, from other cars. If you go around it too quick, you get caught in the skin, can't control yourself. Are you kidding me? The final turn. The final turn. He hits the wall. I, I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. One of the great, I hate to say it for 23-year-old J.R. Hildebrand, but one of the greatest chokes, one of the greatest last-second disasters in the history of sports. And you could say I'm getting a little exaggerated with that. You, you, you run some by me. Run some by me. Last second, literally last second, last minute jokes in the world of sport. 888-463-6740. And I'm going to argue that J.R. Hildebrands might be up there right with the worst of me. I hate to pin that on a 23-year-old kid for the rest of his career. He ran a great race. And after the crash, he did. He was so close to the finish line. He was able to skid across the finish line. Almost won the damn race on three wheels. But uh, Danny Walden did pass him up. He took second place. Still brings home, what, a million bucks? I think that was the purse for second place. So, you know, we're not going to have any complete uh, next Purim days for J.R. Hildebrand. He'll be doing okay, I'm sure, psychologically, though. It's got to be a little bit rough. Some of the guys in the pit crew probably not too happy with him. But, wow, not only the final lap, I think it's the second time in Indy 500 history that a car crashes and loses his lead in the final lap. But, but on turn number four, which I didn't know, but I do know now, is the final turn before the finish line. And you kidding me, crashes into the wall. Driver error. Driver error. Tried to pass up another car from the outside. Could have played it safe, going to the inside part of the track. Dan Weldon passes him up to me. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on in the weekend of sports, including the resignation of big-time college football coach. But that was story number one. I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. They're congratulating Danny Weldon. I don't want to rub it in the face of J.R. Hildebrand, but uh, facts are facts, folks. The story is there for you. That's got to be one of the worst last-second chokes in the history of sports. Strong stuff, but I'll stand by it. But I will stand by it. 888-463-6748. Danny Weldon wins the Indy 500. J.R. Hildebrand. I still want to say Rutherford. Rutherford. Maybe it's just better to say than Hill. Hildebrand sounds like he should be taking an economics class 101 at Stanford University. Anyhow, that's our lead story. You want to talk about that? You saw the race or uh, you have some other just just classic human error judgment slash blunders in the last second of a major sporting. I mean, you can think of golf. 
I mean, you know, which one of Greg Norman's disasters? Well, the most famous probably was, what was his name? John Vandevelde? I think it was the British Open. Everybody remembers him, right? 10, 15 years ago, rolling up his pants, trying to hit the ball out of the water, and he went from bad to worse. The guy had like a two-stroke, three-stroke lead going to the last hole. I mean, and he just completely blew up on the 18th of a major. I forget which uh, actual major it was. You got what you got one, Dave? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The wide world of sports, the guy coming down the ski hill. Yeah, but but he did, hadn't won a champ. He wasn't oh, about. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I know what you mean by so there's there's different categories. I want specifically the category where you are on the verge of a huge victory and you just pull either a mental or physical blunder and just completely blow it. I can't in basketball. I can't think of a of the last second disaster like that. Chris Webber, ring a bell to you. There you go. There you go. Ding ding ding. There's the bell that's ringing. Yeah. By the way, I blame the referee on that. If I'm the referee, I turn the other cheek. Guy calls timeout. I just verbally tell, don't count any, don't count any, play on. Eh, that was bad referee. But that, but that certainly ranks up there, no question about it. 888-463-6748. So we got that on the docket. We got the resignation of head football coach Jim Trestle. And I think what makes it so, I don't know, shocking is the right word, but so surprising, so strange, is that he was the epitome of a coach of cool, calm, academic, he looked like the the very antithesis of the Division One football coach, and in fact, you could almost say the very antithesis of the old-fashioned coach who uh, coached at Ohio State. A guy like Woody Hayes, who was throwing things around, you know, big Johnny Madden-esque type yelling and screaming at his players, and you know, just kind of uh, symbolize what the Division One football coach of days gone by was. Jimmy Trestle was the antithesis to that. Got himself in a little bit of trouble, and that little bit of trouble got him digging a little deeper, a little bit of deeper, a little deeper, and uh, he, I don't know if he alone made the decision, he was probably persuaded, a little bit of arm twisting, a little bit of a couple, probably a little bit of groping over the Memorial Day weekend, whatever it was, he finally cried uncle, and he did resign, and I, I don't know, you look at the violations, or, you know, are they that horrible, it's, it's a sign of what is wrong with the big-time Division One athletics, no doubt about it. But um, players selling memorabilia. And I, as far as I know, David, they weren't, like, getting cash, were they? Which, to me, would have been a little shakier. No, no, they were they were trading memorabilia yeah. for, like, tattoos uh, and clothes. And... All right. Not good. Well, they, I mean, they were, they were basically using their own, their signatures mm-hmm. and their status as athletes as currency. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. That's the argument, yeah. and I mean, the thing that got the the ball rolling on this is Trestle was told about this and said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yep. I'll handle it," and yep. he didn't. Yep. And then apparently he signed a NCAA form. Yep, saying, "Yep, nothing going on." Right. Every nothing year the college, yes. the coach has yes. to do that. Yeah, as far as I know, nothing. So yeah. now, do you yep. think? Uh, let, let, let's take it a step. Let, let's dig a little bit. What's going on inside his head? Uh, could he have forgotten about it? Is it minor enough? All right, you know, all he was told about was tattoos, right? I mean, is it possible that he just underplayed the card and didn't realize human error that it was that it was a bigger thing than it was? Yeah, that's something yeah, we got to yeah. address. I mean, the guy's but, but, got a lot you know on what, his mind. You know what? In college athletics, you have to know that even the smallest infraction, mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna bring the hammer down on you. He has to know that. So even the, even the littlest thing, 
you have to take care of it. Mm-hmm. You have to take care of it. Okay, so you're saying he knew, he was smart enough to know that it could be a problem. All right, so absolutely. Not, all right, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I'm not I'm not going absolutely. I still think there's the possibility he underplayed the importance. So, but let's go with your theory because the guy's a smart guy. Now, let's go to the next step of, of thinking. Here's Jim Truss, so he knows that's going on. Now, he consciously decides to put it off. Does he forget about it? And when he signs the sheet saying nothing's going wrong, is he uh Well, no, no. Maybe he told the, maybe he did tell the players, "Hey, you know, knock that off." Stop doing that. And, you know, he considered the case closed. Mm -hmm. And that's why he signed it. Do we have any verbal verification that he said that that's, yeah, he had a team meeting with the guys and told them, hey. Not as as far as I know. Mm -hmm. Not as far as I know. But, I mean, that's that's Mm -hmm. one explanation for it. All right. Because, again, he's an intelligent guy. You got your downtime if you, in in fact, go by the David Olson theory. That he knew it was significant enough and he knew it would be a problem, then he's also smart enough at that point to realize that it's going to become a problem, that you can't hide it at a, you know, at the Ohio State University that eventually it's going to come out. So where does this thinking break down? Is he, he's afraid to bring it out in the beginning? I mean, the guy's smart enough to know that eventually it's going to come out and the longer you hide it, that's what I'm, that's the part that confuses me is where you know, besides calling it downright illegal and a complete cover-up. And that, you know, I suppose there's that angle of it that Jim Trussell is not the guy that we think he is. I don't think that's the case, but maybe. And that there was a lot of other illegal things going on. He's been trying to cover it up for as long as he can. And, you know, like so many other famous people that do stupid things, they know they're going to get caught. But uh despite knowing that they're going to get caught, the logic doesn't apply. Their emotions get carried away and and take over. That happens in so many sex scandals that we see uh, currently and in the past. But So I guess there's that aspect of it. But assuming that's not the case with Jim Trussell, it's, it's a little odd just where his mindset was. Where his mindset was. We know one thing, he's not the coach of Ohio State University anymore. And there will be a new coach. I guess the guy who was his assistant will take over and coach the ball club for this year. Now, I guess the next thing is, did the assistants know anything about it? they got to investigate that. And they're also uh, investigating star quarterback. And you remember, this guy's not just a star now. When Terrell Pryor came out of high school, he was uh, he was the next great thing. He was the number one high school player in the country. And apparently, you know, he's driving pretty nice cars around campus as a freshman. Beep, 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 beep. Indicator light, indicator light. Not a tattoo, not exactly a tattoo, but we're driving nice cars. So, I mean, you know, the, you know, the NCAA has now investigated that. Hello, NCAA. Terrell Pryor uh, is now in his, what is about to start his fourth year of college football. You might want to have investigated that maybe about three years ago. Maybe Jim Trussell would still have a job and the Ohio State program would not be celebrated. That's the, that's the Joel, uh, the, the Joel. That's the job we got to get for the big dog, Joel. He should be an NCAA investigator. Nobody would know. I mean, Joel's been there, done that. He's whatever they pulled off. Joel's done most of it. Very hard to pull pull the wool or any other foreign objects over the big dog's eye. He should be in a, if the um, <laughs> selling vacation packages. Where is the big dog today? By the way, eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Big dog not appearing on today's show. If anybody has seen Joel out there, send an APB over the weekend. We have a missing person. 
If anybody has seen Joel Radwanski, about six, what do you say, about David, about six two, large balding head, a man, uh, broad shoulders, bulked up a little bit, showing the signs of age, late thirties, reportedly. If you see this man wandering around the city of Chicago with his shirt off, uh, pulling an Alonzo Spellman, please give us a call at 888-463-6748. But hey, if the, um, Vacation packages sales don't work. And tour guide for the um, Chicago Bureau of Tourism via kayaks on the Chicago River. If it doesn't work out, maybe uh, NCAA investigator will. All right, lots of other stories to talk about as well. We're going to get the baseball action. Cubs lose, Sox win yesterday. We had a few other little interesting things happen in the world of baseball over the weekend. We'll get to them. We also got, what, the French Open? We got Dallas Mavericks, Miami Heat to talk about. Opening the NBA Finals. Any NBA fans still out there? I know it's been a long year. And I know we are now into the month of June. A little bit tough to talk basketball in June, but it's still a pretty good series. Mavericks take on the heat. So we'll preview that and uh, get into some French Open and PGA Golf and our Northwestern women's lacrosse team. Got to throw some kudos out to them. They win it again. We'll talk about all that and more. Take a quick break. Two guys at a mic. TalkZone.com. Back in about 38.5 seconds. Our, quick, our breaks are quick. Don't go anywhere. Open for your calls on Two Guys and a Mic. Call 888-GO-FOR-IT. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn. And we do welcome you back. Two Guys in a Mic show. Half number two of this two-one-hour uh, experience here. Two-half-one-hour experience known as the Two Guys in a Mic show. Again, phone lines open. If you want to check in, give us your highlights from the Memorial Day weekend. Uh, sports and or otherwise, Triple Eight. Four six three six seven four eight. Coach flying solo right now. We've got an APB out for the big dog. Uh, no special guest checking in today. We've already talked about the Indy 500 and the finish there. And uh, Jim Trussell, the sweater vest, retiring, retire, resigning at the University of Ohio State. More to come out on that particular story. I don't know. Are we going to see a uh, press conference, David? Or I know he resigned. I don't think he's given any kind of public speech, maybe. And I haven't seen a scheduled press conference, so we'll see. We'll see. Maybe it'll be uh, Jim Trussell side-by-side with Barack Obama as Barack gives his support to the beleaguered Ohio State University coach. Uh, and again, you want to check in here with the co- uh, big dog not there, you can play co-pilot on today's sports talk show, 888 Baseball Memorial Weekend, sometimes synonymous, a lot of games rained out over the Memorial Day weekend, especially here in the mighty Midwest, but uh, we did get a little bit of baseball in, and uh, since we last reconvened on Friday's show, our Chicago White Sox talk local Chicago here first, and then we'll... Bring up some of the other game, but our White Sox, uh, well, uh, big win yesterday. Boy, do they need that. Knocked off the Boston Red Sox 
seven to three. Jake Peavy, one of the bright spots here in his comeback story for the Chicago White Sox. But prior to that, a brutal series against the Toronto Blue Jays. I think we went one and three in that particular series. Ozzie Guillen starting to lose it a little bit. He's remained fairly calm for the most part, despite the woes of the Chicago White Sox. But um, Mount Ozzie almost overflew over the weekend. He was firing at the fans again and threw. We need to take Twitter and Facebook and all the other technological uh, ways of communicating away from Ozzie Guillen. Just uh, stick to the good old-fashioned press conference, Ozzie. You do enough damage on that, but uh, leave the tweeting to somebody else, please, and, and make that somebody else, not your son, Ozzie or Olney, whoever it is. But I thought Ozzie might be ready. When I heard big resignation in the world of sports, my first thought was Ozzie Guillen. I thought maybe we had seen enough, and I thought maybe it would be Ozzie just, you know, before getting fired, resigning himself, because after that Toronto series, things were not looking good for our Chicago White Sox, but they did come back. Nice victory yesterday. Mount Ozzie calms down for a little bit. They beat Boston 7-4, to get some big hits. Uh, at Fenway Park, 7-3 to was the score at Fenway Park. Always nice to win at Fenway. Got a couple of more taking on the Red Sox. We'll see how the White Sox do in that particular battle. How about Johnny Danks? You talk about the frustration of the White Sox. Wow. Guy hasn't won all year. Starts against the Toronto Blue Jays. Gives up six runs in the first inning. You could tell the guy is pressing. And the sad thing, he's pitched well. He actually is pitched not great. But he has pitched pretty well. Could easily, with the breaks, fall his way if the team hit for him at the right times. Kid could be four and three, four and four, maybe three and four on a good day with a lot of breaks. Could be five and two. He has pitched pretty decent baseball. Not the last game where he got shellacked. So you can see him starting to press now. You got a feel for John Tanks. It's all mental. It's all mental right now. But he is still winless for the year 2010. So the White Sox. uh Overall, the weekend, not good, but they do find a way to get a victory yesterday. We should mention ex-Cub Corey Patterson killed him over the weekend, too, for Toronto. I think he went four for five one day, five for five the other day. The much-beleaguered center fielder of the Chicago Cubs, Corey Patterson, having a field day against White Sox batting. Speaking of the Cubs, not much better news for them. They lose two out of three to the Pittsburgh Pirates, who uh, continue not only this year but last year as well to have the number of the Chicago Cubs. They Seem to be beating the Cubs on a regular basis. Cubs won the last game of the series, lost the first two, and uh, the injuries continue to mount for our beloved Chicago Cubs. Jeff Baker, one of the few guys consistently hitting the ball. He went on the DL over the weekend, and I think Alfonso Soriano yesterday sprinting down to first base. Let me repeat that for the Cub fans. And a ground ball, Alfonso Soriano. Yes, running full speed to first base. That was a good sign. <clears throat> Excuse me. Maybe because he's not run- used to running full speed to first base and beating out a ground ball. Cheap shot at Alfonso. Sorry about that, Alphonse. But uh, pulled a hammy. Might have been a quad. I think it was quad. Pulled a quad muscle. He's out of the game, so we don't know how long he is out. But my goodness, for the Chicago Cubs, they have had their injury woes. Not to create any excuses. And, uh, you know, a lot of fans, to some extent, it's almost like, Maybe some positive coming out of the vast negative because all of these injuries that they've had, they're bringing up the young players. And we're finally getting to see some of the young kids all season long and say, hey, play the young kids, play the young kids. Well, finally we're getting to see some of the young kids primarily because of all the injuries. We'll see how bad Soriano's is. Uh, 
888-463-6748. We got any baseball fans out there? I think checking in right now, we found them via the APB, our missing persons list. We have found the big dog, Joel Radwanski. Big dog, how are you? Uh, I'm doing really, really well, Coach. I, I spent the whole last week trying to be with the people that have given their life to this country. Yes, I mentioned to people at the start of the show, a tradition of both yours and mine together has been our salute to the troops. Uh, at least one or two people in our listening audience look forward to it each and every year. I tried to do a little bit of a salute at the start of the show, but you are our chief saluter. Uh, I appreciate that, Coach. You can be my salute then. I would feel both honored and privileged. Yeah, I think your last salute is now uh, resting comfortably at Illinois Masonic Hospital. Why are we getting all the clicking on the, is this phone call being monitored by the Ohio State University Administration? No, this, that is a possibility, Coach. That's what I thought. You have not sold any of your, uh, you have not traded any of your prestigious autographs or moments here as a two guys and a mic host for any illegal trading situations, possibly pharmaceuticals well luckily i don't need any tattoos okay and i'm afraid of meds coach okay so we can write those two off yeah okay however you are not afraid of women named genevieve or with last names that end in ova you're not trading for that i hope uh, i i i am not trading up <laughs> okay but i'm willing to negotiate all right. Before, I was right in the middle of Cubs talk, but I'm about to mention the highlight of the Cubs weekend is that Matt Garza was able to pitch off a flat surface. No, no, no. The, <laughs> highlight, the highlight of the Cubs weekend was was when uh, Soriano got beat out going down the line. Oh, line. that's what, mean. Coach, I've been, we need to Mean-spirited. I'm, I'm sick that, that, that has an on-base percentage that of a pitcher. That everyone thinks is our best offensive player. The guy's got a two ninety five on base percentage, and people are acting like he's having a good season. Mm -hmm. Now, what about the fact that uh, head coach Mike Quadit, who is sitting, if you notice, at the start of the year he was up on the dugout smiling, and then as the season is worn on, and we're only what six eight weeks into it, the season is still. It's only April. That's my motto for the Cubs. No matter what the date is, it's only April. Have you noticed, Big Dog, that Quadit is sitting farther and farther back? into the corners, the bowels of the Chicago Cub dugout. You can barely see him, and he's now kind of like in a fetal position, mumbling incoherently. Uh, yes, because he, he does realize something, Coach, that this is a young team, and they're really, really bad. Well, okay. So it's, it's, a good, it's a good news, bad news thing. Yes, it's a young team, and, and he's got a four-year contract. The bad thing is that he's going to be managing these guys for the next three years. <laughs> But, uh, all right, so now brings up my question for you is Soriano goes out, I think, in the first inning, second inning, early in the game with the quad pull. He has three or four youngsters on the bench that just got brought up and brought up from Iowa or Tennessee or wherever they might have come from, and he, uh, he, he inserts in left field instead, Mr. Blake DeWitt, who went on to get three hits, by the way, had a good game. But your thought of bringing Blake DeWitt in and not one of the young kids? Well, I, I don't know how many of the young kids they actually had up. Uh, that played outfield coach besides uh, Tony Campana, who was who was already out there. Well, they got the guy who pinch hit. What's his name? Demathia or something like that. Okay, Some... yeah, but uh, just to let you know, that guy, I like who, uh, who was the shortstop for the national title LSU Tigers a couple years ago, had a great college World Series. Yeah. He was phenomenal. His teammate Brett Jackson, by the way, if there was anybody that should have been playing center field for the Cubs, it isn't Tony Campana. Brett Jackson, just to let just to let you know down there. 
in the in the farm system, we've got some really good players. Mm-hmm. And by the way, uh, as much as I'm glad to see a Tony Campana and possibly a Brett Jackson, because uh, would you realize the Cubs aren't winning the World Series this year? I really did not want to lose Marlon Byrd the way that the Cubs have lost oh, Marlon Byrd. No. And and there's there's talk that his career may be over. It's that's always any any time you get hit in the eye that seriously, uh, absolutely. I mean, you hate to see it because boy, whatever you want to say about his talent, one of the one of the really good guys, one of the likable guys that have played for the Cubs in recent years. But uh, yeah, there's I would agree there is that possibility. Anybody who would rip his talent doesn't know what the heck is going on. The guy gets paid five million dollars a year and is one of the most productive players on the Chicago Cubs. Now, and, and I. And I Coach, yeah, yes. In the last two years, who's been who's been a better baseball player on the Chicago Cubs than Marlon Byrd the last two seasons? Yeah, I don't know. I've watched him play, Big Dog. He's he's okay. I, I love. I agree with you. He's okay. Yeah, okay. He's their best player. So so, <laughs> so you're saying okay is the best we've had in the last two years? Um, as as is the fact that Darwin Barney might be the smartest baseball yes. player the Cubs have had on their team yep. since I've ever watched. Okay. That Starlin Castro is definitely more talented than Marlon Byrd, but when you see uh, the fact that he can't handle a dribbler, you know, or you know, just the routine stuff, mm-hmm. you can't say he's the best player. Giovanni Soto has been good, but he's been hurt way too much. So it, it's sad to say that that I'm just going to say you said whatever you talk about his talent. I'm just going to say I, I uh, I'm not going to sit here and rip the guy because he's been fundamentally sound. Yep. Yep. Uh, the guy who took his place yesterday, Tony Campana, pretty exciting, about five feet, six inches tall, but can run like the wind. And then he had, what, four stolen bases yesterday? Yes, four stolen bases, I mean, Coach. He is, he, he's, he's the best, most aggressive uh, threat stealing the bases at the Cubs probably in my years of watching that, that they've ever had. Okay, I know it wasn't a great game for the Cubs yesterday, but did you see when the game was early and they actually just created a run because yes. Santana was on the bases? Yep. Because all of a sudden the other teams were throwing the ball all around the infield. It was mm-hmm. it was fun to see another team look like, uh, you know, it was Little League Baseball, Bad News Bears. Mm-hmm. And then it was batting practice for the Houston Astros after we got the 6-3 to three lead. Yeah, that was not good. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, you might want to try to get keep the ball down in the zone and throw a sinker when the wind's blowing out 30 miles an hour. Rodrigo Lopez making his first start for the Chicago Cub, getting a little bit of hitting support, but uh, couldn't hold that lead. But again, big dog, uh, you know, the Memorial Weekend is a success as far as I'm concerned because Matt Garza did throw off a flat surface. I, for one, was excited to read that. What was the flat surface, Coach? <laughs> I don't know, but at least he wasn't throwing towels. Our new pitching coach has him off a flat surface. I was just happy to read that. It is good to know, Coach. It's yes, Memorial it is. Day weekend, so much going on, and that yeah. is the biggest news story. Yeah. Um, and by the way, have you been watching the Cubs broadcast, listening to the TV announcers? I, Enough I, to? I have to admit, you know, I'm always watching baseball, Coach, but if there's another team on that is not the Chicago Cubs, and if Barney and Castro are not batting i am yep. typically watching the other game right, have, have you where i'm what i'm getting at is if have you heard enough and any cubs fans out there baseball fans you want to check in uh now the time little baseball discussion coach and the big dog 888-463-6748 want your thoughts memorial day weekend sports and more our salute to the troops tuesday show uh have you heard enough of casper and brunley to evaluate a little bit because i have thoughts Oh, I have plenty of thoughts. I'm talking this talking year. About just this year? This okay, year. Yeah, I, oh, I've definitely heard enough. Yeah. Okay. All right. My thought, Len Casper's fine. 
But is it just me, or is Bob Brenly somewhere else? Yeah, Bob Brenly is sick of watching bad Thank baseball. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I, I, th- I, you know, I don't watch a ton, but. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't me. Bob Brenly is, uh, went on vacation about six weeks ago. He, either he wants to be a manager of baseball, you're, you're saying it's just sick of bad baseball. I think, I think it's got two other things on his mind. One, he wants to be a manager. He's tired of announcing. And two, his kid is playing minor league baseball, right? And working his way up to the majors. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, compared to everybody else's statistics, because I haven't watched the kid play, so I'm not about to act like, oh, he's going to be incredible. Everybody else seems to be getting a chance before him. And, and compared mm-hmm. to how the kid has played, the kid has yeah. been, he might be one of the best prospects in the Cubs' whole organization. Coach. All right, so maybe, maybe that's an issue. But you would agree with me there's a significant drop in the color announcing abilities, overall abilities this year, of a Robert Brumley? Uh I'm going to have to agree with you. Okay. On that particular one, and uh, I'm not a real big fan. I'm not a real big fan of Len Casper either. So, really? okay, yeah, I, I I think we've gone over this before. Okay, I, prior to this year, I thought a little too much fade up, made up enthusiasm. Uh, I I'm not a big fan. Uh-huh. So it's this has not been a, a good lesson. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, and the TV moved. Yeah, the, the biggest problem is their, la- the, their lack of analyzing the game. Too much fluff? Oh, there's there, plenty of fluff yeah. going on. Yeah. There, there needs to be a little bit more, some, I mean, just some obvious game analysis situations, which I had in my head, and, you know, and they're not talking about. Bob Brunley is silent when there's a lot of things he could be talking about. And the other thing with the broadcast is, and, you know, here we go with the Tom Ricketts family and. It's probably not just the Cubs, it's everybody uh, in pro sports because they got to make up the money somehow. But the amount of commercials and promotions, not just uh, between innings, but during the inning, the amount of promotional reads has increased to the point where it now has gone from mildly annoying to uh, a significant detriment to the enjoyment of the game. This commercial break was sponsored by Bud Light. Oh, really, you sponsored yeah. a commercial break? Mm-hmm. Okay, Marlon Bird getting the hit the hit by the face is brought to you by mm-hmm. uh, Provenia. Yeah. Okay, right. so uh, I'm with you, Coach. All right, we fired on the Cubs. And uh, by the way, I opened up the show saying uh, it was very, very underplayed in the national sports scene, the big dog. Joining us, folks, on our Salute to the Troops Tuesday. Hope everybody out there had a great Memorial Day weekend. Lots to talk about, Big Dog and the Coach, with you all week long, 10 to 11, uh, here on the TalkZone.com. Uh, the number one story of the weekend, Big Dog, very underplayed in the press, media, television, and even water cooler conversation, was one of the great chokes in sports history is the finish of the Indy 500. Oh, my goodness, Coach. That, without a doubt, the Indianapolis 500 was better than the Coca-Cola 600. But could you have asked for two crazier finishes in the course of a day for people who watch racing? You have uh, Hildebrand running into the wall and having one of the best racers in, in Indianapolis, Danny Weldon, taking advantage of it. And then about six hours later, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is about to, you know, win a race for the first time. He runs out of gas, and Kevin Harvick comes by and steals it. By the way, I love Kevin Harvick. So, what how, a weekend! How close to the finish? Dale Earnhardt, something like 105 races without a win. Junior, you know, he's been racing well, just hasn't won. But how close to the finish when he ran out of gas? Best way for me to put it, Coach. He ran out of gas. The car was. He had to basically push it over the line, wow. and he finished in second. Fine. Wow. Think about that. You run out of gas. So it was the final lap. 
Yeah, it was, oh, it was the final lap. And as a matter of fact, it was the final lap. I am going out of my mind. I'm like, okay, because honestly, we all know if you listen to the show, Kevin Harvick is by far my favorite race car driver. There's not even a question. That's for people that listen to the show. What about people that don't listen to the show? What would you tell them? I, I love Kevin Harvick. So uh, Dale Earnhardt is in the lead. <laughs> even though Kevin Harvick is coming on strong, I'm like, you know, he hasn't won in forever. Kind of important for the, for the, like, you know, all the racing. So I'm like, go, Dale. The next thing I know, it's like, right when I came, it's okay. Let the National Guard guys have a good time. It's Memorial Day weekend. This is perfect. They're showing the guys in uh, in Afghanistan and Iraq, all the National Guard people going crazy. Yes, go, Dale, go, Dale. All of a sudden, the car, and Harvard goes by, and they went. Those National wow. Guard guys look like they got kicked in the face, Coach. <laughs> wow. I felt so bad for them. Like, I honestly did not want my racer to win anymore. I felt like you for a second, who mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the sport was bigger than your team. Wow. Oh, it's okay that the Heat beat the Bulls because they deserved it. No, Coach, it hurt when the Heat beat the Bulls, okay? <laughs> I, I, I did not realize up until this weekend that fuel preservation is such a strategic part of uh, NASCAR or Indy 500 or car racing in general, but both races, that was a key because in the Indy 500, there were three or four different leaders, the final 30 laps, Big Dog, that had to stop for that one last pit stop and uh, because of it lost the lead. Like, uh, like, like, uh, like I was talking to somebody, they're like, well, why did they make sure they had enough gas in it? It's not that easy. Yeah. Because they try, they put as much gas in that car as they possibly can during the pit stop. And they know when they take that out, they know how much, exactly how much gas is left. And they can figure it out. And they, supposedly, Dale Earnhardt got, uh, about an extra half lap out of the, out of the, the gasoline. And, the, and to be honest with you, the, they weren't all that upset. Dale Earnhardt wasn't upset at all because I loved when he said this, Coach. I was like, wow, what a good way to put it. And it, it was a way to explain losing without sounding like a loser. Or maybe maybe you feel the exact opposite, but he's like, with the amount of gas, he's like, I didn't think we were going to make it to the end. And uh, if we would have won this race, it would have been a gift anyway. Interesting. You know, so, and, and I was... And he didn't, he didn't say it like a defeatist. He said it like a realist. You know, mm-hmm. so I was like, well, okay, okay. Now, in Sean Hildebrand's part... J.R. <laughs> J.R. Hildebrand, uh, the way he had to explain what happened to him at the end of the Indianapolis 500, because you'd have to admit the Indianapolis 500 is a little bigger than the, the six Coca-Cola 600. Would you agree with that? Yes. Just a tad bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> he was coming around at the last turn, the last turn. So he's made 999 yep. turns perfectly, people. Not, not just the last lap, but as I found out from watching, it was one of the few times I've actually watched Big Dog, amazingly enough. But uh, turn four is the final turn in the last lap. Yes. And as he's going around it, he explained it this way. There was a car right in his line. And he couldn't downshift because Danny Walden was coming so hard. And he, so he had to stay on the outside going as fast as he possibly can, couldn't lose any momentum. And since he had to take that wide turn, he ended up hitting like, what is they called, uh, marble. Yep. And it'll, I guess it's just like pieces of the track you get tore up. And if you hit them in the wrong way going so fast, you lose control of the car. And if you hit them in a turn, you, that'll happen every once in a while. So because he had to take that wide turn and that, and that loose angle hits the marbles, goes into the wall, and he loses the most important race in all of sports, uh, uh, the motor race. Uh, you can I don't care what anybody says about uh, the Daytona 500, which is the biggest in America, mm-hmm. 
or, uh, you know, yeah, the biggest race in America is the Daytona 500, but the biggest race in the world is the Indy 500. Does that make any sense? It does indeed. Final turn, final turn of the final lap. I mean, that was unbelievable. Maybe I, and I incorrectly earlier in the show, I said it was one of the greatest chokes in sports history. That might be a little bit strong, but having watched it live, when it looked like he had a safe enough lead on uh, the blonde bomber, Danny Walder, that he could have come in. Now, you're telling me maybe it was not a mental mistake and that it, he had to gamble at the very end to win it? No, no, no. no. It, it, it was a, it, I think it was a mental mistake, Coach, because don't you have to notice that car well? Because he didn't make that adjustment to go around <laughs> that car without downshifting until, like, immediately right behind him. Right, Coach? Mm-hmm. So it, it's a choke. Because if he adjusts his line... A half a mile earlier, he doesn't have to make that significant splash around the car with all of a sudden that significant flash and all the other excuses that came up after that. But I, I will tell you this. The kid was amazing, wasn't he, after the race? Yes. I mean, he he was like, I, I cho- he, he said I choked. I should have done mm-hmm. it. He's like, I did the wrong thing. How can I explain it to you guys? This, this is what I did. I should have done all this. You know, so he wasn't like, the marbles made me crash. He, he admitted I messed up. And then, and then the somebody's like, wow, you're really handling this well. And, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like it's affecting you that much. He's like, I'm a good actor. <laughs> yeah. His pit crew guy was pretty classy as well. Had nothing but good things to say about JR because you got to believe those guys were, you know, on the verge of winning their biggest race, uh, and, and the biggest of all time. And, you know, and their racer makes a critical mistake at the last second, but he handled it very well. Uh, as well, you just hope this is not going to be something that the kid's going to have to wear for the rest of his life. He probably is. Maybe that's not the right way of putting. It. Let's hope he can handle. It. Based on his press conference, looks like a pretty grounded kid. But boy, you get that. I mean, even on three wheels after the crash, he was able to skid across the finish line. He was that close. Yeah. Still yeah. took second place. Now you said Dale Jr. was still able to get across the finish line. Are you allowed to push your car across? Uh, no, 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 no. The, it's a, the race is basically over at that lap. Do you know what I mean, Coach? But my, it, it, it coasted across the finish line, and okay. it died, and he had to get out of the car and push it in the pit road. Okay. That's what, is what basically what happened. Mm-hmm. So, so he, I, I he did of, have enough. I didn't explain it well, but. You know. So he had enough gas to finish, enough fuel to finish, but but he just started slowing down on the next. No, 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 no. no. He was completely out. He completely ran out of gas about a half mile, and the car just coasted across the line. Well, I mean, he was done. He had no gas in the car. The engine mm-hmm. was no longer running while he was over the, going across the finish line. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it was it, it was a rough day. Rough day too. If you were a, a, a video, I mean, called like the, the director in the the sports director in the truck mm-hmm. who would say, "Oh, go to this screen. Cut to this. Cut to this." Coca Cola 500 had more squares in it than <laughs> uh, Starface. <laughs> Not by the people. They were there. By my imitation, I'm doing it. This is, this is a phenomenal race. Oh, uh, we're really sorry about that sound right there. We're, we're extremely sorry. The, the best one was late in the race. Jimmy Johnson is making his move, Coach. And everybody, Jimmy Johnson had the fastest car of the day. Okay, and he's Jimmy Johnson driving. And he, a bunch of stuff kept happening to him, and he'd have to go back into get something fixed up and go back out there. And he'd go from last and move all the way to first. Well, all of a sudden, he's making his move, right? And they go, let's go to Jimmy Johnson. He's making his move. They go right to Jimmy Johnson, and they go. So when they go to Jimmy Johnson's car, that means they're going to Chad Canales and Jimmy Johnson's radio, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so they, they go out there, and, and two seconds later, they're showing the car. The car engine blows up, Coach. <laughs> and then you hear Chad Canales, no effing way! Beep, 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 beep. Just screams no effing way right on the 
with 12 left to go to Coca-Cola 500. <laughs> they were bored. They were like, we're really sorry about this, folks. Uh, they, they were like, what are we going to do? We can't put... I mean, and I guarantee that uh, NASCAR is talking about it to these guys that you can't be... Or they're going to let them know when they're live. You know, when they're actually on the air. Mm-hmm. Because... Uh, I mean, it's 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 a little unfair to ask a bunch of people to not swear in the middle of a heated competition. Yeah, I don't think that's the first thing on their mind. Please tell me, you watch a lot more auto racing than me. Please tell me we have not gotten to the point where, like, we're uh, miking up some of the drivers and actually talking to them during the race. Hey, hey, Jimmy, how's it going here on that? They just, they mic in the the crew chief and the driver. So you hear... Hey, well, let's go out to the Kevin Harvick car. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you, you hear Kevin Harvick yeah. complaining about something, which he does okay. too much. That's cool. And just just as long we don't, we don't, you don't have like uh, what's his name, Craig Sager, on the uh, you know stopping in the pit crew real quick as the guy pulls no, in. They, they don't do that. But if there is a caution, many many times I've actually heard the driver being uh, Jimmy Johnson will do an interview during the race. I had a mm-hmm. caution. All right. Seriously. And, he, and he'll even give away what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're trying to find somebody to make a run with up here, so uh, hopefully we can find one of my teammates. We're going to draft our way to the top. You know, and then 30 seconds after the race starts, next you know him and uh, Dale Earnhardt are together, and they're on the top making a line right to the front. So mm-hmm. it's, it's cool when they – you don't ever stop those things because when they – those talks with the with the racers in the middle of the, of the cautions, which they don't do every time. But they definitely do it like Daytona. You know, mm-hmm. that's the, that's like the Super Bowl, so they spare no expense. Cool. All right. A couple other stories to get to. Big Dog, one-hour show here, trying to wrap up the weekend that was. And I want to give you a minute or two, by the way, to uh, give your uh, annual salute to the troops on Memorial Day weekend. We uh, did it a little bit at the start of the show, but I want you to finish it. But uh, got to throw some kudos the way to the NU women's lacrosse team. They win the national championship again in dramatic fashion. They beat the team that knocked them out, Maryland. But an amazing story, the NU women's lacrosse team. Six of the last seven national championships and seven losses in the last seven years. That That's good, Coach. That's really good. That qualifies as domination. Yeah, I, I would say if I was a women's lacrosse coach and somebody would say, are you willing to win six of the next seven national championships, I would take the deal. Mm-hmm. Assuming that I would not win all seven out of seven. All right, real quick in the French Open, a beautiful roll in Burroughs Stadium in Paris, France. Rafael Nadal advancing. Djokovic, I think, is in the quarterfinals. He's won 40 matches in a row. And Big Dog, we're at the women's quarterfinals. Out of the eight women left, there are three Ovas, three Novas left. Anastasia Pavel Yuchinova, Svetlana Kuchinova, who's the 13th seed, and Maria Sharapanova. Sharapanova? How do you pronounce her last name? Sharapova? Yeah, that's close enough. Okay. So there are three Ovas left out of the uh, final eight. That's about what we'd expect. Once the Ovas are gone, the tournament is over. (laughs) And uh, PGA Golf, we got to get send some kudos to Northwestern's very own Luke Donald, who really, even though he hasn't been winning a ton of tournaments, he's been the dominant golfer so far. He wins uh, the tournament over the weekend. He is now ranked number one finally. Luke Donald, number one in the PGA. Oh yeah, he's he's yeah, not winning any tournaments, but he keeps on top five finish after top five finish. Coach, mm-hmm. heck yeah, him and Steve Stricker doing the Big Ten proud this season. Heck yeah, Steve you know, Stricker out of the University of Illinois. By the way, your University of Illinois team, Big yeah. Ten baseball champs, they make the national tournament first time in eleven years. Big dog. 
Coach, you won't freaking believe this. I actually watched the last like five innings of that game. Oh, yeah. It was really, really cool. To I watch not not only believe it, I expected it. Well, I, I mean, I was trying to watch the Big Ten tournament as much as I could. Okay. I watched. I watched the last three innings of the of Minnesota. Uh, uh, what do you call? It? Get rid of Michigan State in order to play Illinois, right? So I, was, I wanted to watch the end of that game. I, w- I want to give you a line on the bottom. Okay. Forget the runs. One team. One team had 12 hits and committed zero errors, and the other team had six hits and committed two errors. It's a win okay. for the 12 hit, no error. Oh well, it was a one nothing win for the the six hit, two error team. Wow, 12 hits, two errors, and you can't push a run across. <laughs> Honestly, in college baseball, with 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 the, with the aluminum bass, mm-hmm. I was watching this game in the last three innings. The, the guy brought it up. Right when I put the game on, you know, there's been a base runner in all six innings so far. And right when he said that, boom, there's a hit in the seventh. In the last three innings, there was eight base runners in a one nothing game that couldn't get one of the eight runners across wow. the last three innings. Do you know, by the way, that my uh, nephew will be pitching for your fighting Illini next year? Heck yeah! Now, all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm, no, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Illinois, no matter all what right. I think. So it was, it was cool to watch him in, uh, win the Big Ten Championship. Dog, we got to wrap it up. Uh, can you give your salute to the troops on tomorrow's show? I'll be more than happy to, Coach. All right. That's something I don't want to rush. All right. Right now, if you could, just to salute our listeners. Um, for all the Thanks. people out there that have dedicated their and given their lives and their psyche to actually listen to us, we, <laughs> we appreciate the, the dedication. All right. We'll see you tomorrow, folks, at 10. Thanks for listening all week long. Big Dog and a Coach at your service. Have a great day tomorrow at 10. Don't be late.